Man, I, I really do sense the Holy Spirit really strong. Does anyone sense the Holy Spirit? Man, he's so amazing, isn't he? Excuse me, I have a bit of a head cold, but um, I'm really excited this morning, and I have such an anticipation for what God wants to do. And uh, I want to ask you a question. How many of you are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to just breathe on you this morning? I want you to just kind of think about that. I want you to, how many of you are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on you? And if that's you, would you just, right where you're at, would you just close your eyes for a second? And would you just kind of posture your heart and make it really personal and just begin to tell the Holy Spirit, I want you. If you'd stay up just for a little bit playing, you guys are good. Um, but if, that's it, just begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, nothing is off limits. Come on, I dare you. I dare you. Nothing is off limits this morning. Holy Spirit, we desire you. We long for you. We crave you. Even when we, we don't feel that, God, we just know down inside because you're that good. That when we just think about you, even whether I feel it or not, I know that it's somehow, some way, I got to be hungry for you because you're so amazing. God, you're so incredible. God, I ask you to breathe in this place. Lord, you've already been breathing, but I ask you to continue to breathe. And I pray that the wind of the Holy Spirit would begin to breathe stronger and stronger in this very room. God, we take off every limitation. We take off every uh, preconceived idea and notion that we may have come in with. God, everything that we have, we, have, we have grown comfortable with, God, we just set that aside and we say, God, do what you desire to do. Lord, breathe, God. I, I refuse to be in another service and to leave the same way that I came in. God, I'm desperate this morning. God, we are desperate. We are a desperate people, Father. Lord, as America is raging and, and as things are happening, God, Lord, all around us, God, we just realize that we desperately desire and need you, Father, more than we ever have before. God, yesterday wasn't enough. This morning is not enough. God, even if you have to make us uncomfortable, that's a, that's a bold prayer to pray. Come on, activate your hunger. Activate your hunger. Father, we desire you. I can't open your mouth for you. Come on, just begin to open your mouth and begin to talk. Begin to invite him. Begin to ask. Come on, come on. I know I'm, this is stretching a little bit. I want you to begin to open your mouth right where you're at. Just begin to talk to him. God, you have permission. Come on, you have permission, Holy Spirit. You have not because you ask not. Holy Spirit, touch us today. Breathe on our families today. Come on, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Stir it up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gifts. He said, stir it up. Sometimes you got to stir up the hunger. Come on, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Come on, church, come on, church. We're going to stay here for a minute. I just want you to begin to stir it up. It's not just an emotional thing. Sometimes it's a faith thing. Sometimes you got to just start off in faith, and then all of a sudden it, you just begin to, to walk in that direction. You might not even feel hunger this morning, but I dare you to say, God, I'm hungry for you. Come on. You might not even have a sensation of hunger, but I dare you to begin to say, God, I'm hungry. You may, you may have had enough turkey to last the rest of the year, but deep down inside with faith, you can say, God, I'm hungry.
Come on, that's it, that's it. Come on, wake up. I call your spirit to attention this morning. To wake up and to arise, it's a brand new day. Come on, I declare over your spirit right now. It's a brand new day. He's not going to do a new thing. He is doing it. And he's saying, wake up. He's saying, sons and daughters, wake up. Come on, he's saying, wake up, spirit man. Wake up, spirit man. Wake up, spirit man. Wake up. Right now I call every, Lord, we call every thought into captive. captive. We want the mind of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I know that that some are tired. We've had a good time. We're full in the natural. But I just pray right now, Father, that you arrest us. Arrest us in your presence. And for the next 30 to 40 minutes, God, Lord, we give you permission. Lord, to do whatever you desire. Lord, even if you desire to wreck us, nothing is off limits. And we just say that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hey, would you kind of stay close though, Greg? Well, I want to encourage you, if, you, if you're able to, to take notes. We're just going to flow in the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue in the, the hunger uh, series. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 3. And I, I just want to have a conversation about, about Jesus today, about hunger. And my, my heart's desire, my goal, I believe, that is the desire of God today, is that he teaches us how to develop hunger. How do you develop hunger? Hunger is so important, right? If you don't eat, you, you, we don't live. And hunger is so important. God built that into us to know that, hey, it's time to get some nourishment, right? It's time to eat so that we can live. How many of you are ready to live? How many want to live greater than you have yesterday? Well, God's going to teach us this morning about how to develop that hunger, how to cultivate, how to develop. Do you remember um, uh, back in the day before camera phones, when you take pictures, what would you have to go do? You'd have to get them developed, right? And I remember uh, taking pictures, and, and then we'd take them to Walgreens or, or wherever, and we'd get them developed. And there was a process of time and a process that they would take those pictures, and they would, they would take the film, and they would develop them. And when you got them back, you would see the pictures. You didn't get to instantly see what, what you took. And so there was a bit of a mystery to it because it was kind of exciting. You didn't know whether you took good pictures or not, right? I remember uh, when I was, I asked for this little spy camera. And uh, I remember going around and when we developed it, I I don't know what I was taking pictures of. Because I was was young, but I just remember being just the the discovery of finding out what it was that I had taken pictures of. Well, I want to tell you, God wants to develop and he's developing right now in us hunger. That's what this series is about, is God wants to develop hunger. For me to stand up here and say, hey, you need to be hungry, it's not enough. But we have got to learn how to develop, how to cultivate, what process we need to walk through to become hungry. Amen? Thanks, Greg. You can get me in trouble. You guys can get me in trouble. You keep playing. But I want to talk about how to develop that. What What are some of the things necessary for us to develop that hunger? What, what, what does it mean to develop godly hunger? 
Develop means to work out the possibility of, to create or produce, especially by deliberate effort over time, to make visible or manifest. You know, one thing that, that I find myself in prayer is I'm tired of, 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 and this is me, but I'm tired of saying it's going to happen. I'm tired of hearing messages that it's going to happen. I'm not okay with that. I, I, want, it, I want it to happen. Amen? I don't want to talk about it's going to be a great year. I want it to be a great year today. I think the great philosopher Winnie the Pooh said, today is my favorite day. It's today. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm to the point where I don't know, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I can't afford till tomorrow. I just, I need it today. I need, I need Jesus today. I need him to manifest. And when we, when we talk about developing hunger, is we need hunger to manifest on the inside of us right now. Amen? How many of you are, are willing, and, to, and, and one of your prayers is that you grow in hunger for the things of God? Well, during this message, my prayer is that you just begin to get hungry. And I want us for a, mi- for a, for a minute to just imagine, I want you to take all the churchy restraints off of your mind, all right? There's, you don't have to wait till the end to, to get on your face and pray. Okay, let's just remove that for a minute. Go ahead and, and imagine the Spirit of God just moving right now, because He is. He's not going to, He is, all right? So I want you just to begin to imagine right now in your mind that the Spirit of God is moving throughout this message. And if God begins to touch you in any way, just let Him touch you, all right? It's okay if we have messy church. Well let, well, let me ask you, is it okay if we have messy church? Is that okay? No, is that okay if God messes with us a little bit? Yeah? Amen? So I want to talk about developing hunger to create, to produce, to make visible or manifest. I, I, I want to see it. I want to see. I want to see God. Look, it's just not just enough to talk about that big, giant, juicy cheeseburger. I got to see it. I don't want to just talk about it, but I got to see it, and then I, I got to have it in my hands. Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, now that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit, we may eat the fruit, okay, there we go. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Did he say that? Did did God tell her that? Did did he say not to touch it? No. So I don't know, she's she's adding a little bit extra. You know those people that quote scriptures and they add a little something to them? Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. So I want you to see the process here. 
I want you to see she, she begins to have a desire for this fruit that she's told not to have because the serpent gets her to look at it. And there's a process. As she begins to look at it, all of a sudden she begins to, to say things that, that God didn't say. She, her perception is, begins to get skewed as she looks at it. And she begins to look at it, and then all of a sudden she says, well, you know what? As a matter of fact, it does look good to eat. It wouldn't hurt if I just had a little bit of it. There, there's, a, there's a perception. She looks at it, and then she eats it. I want to tell you today that, that the things that you're hungry for are the things that you are looking at. The things that you look at, the things that you desire, are, are the things that you become hungry for. You remember when you were a little kid? I, I grew up in the, the 80s, and I remember watching cartoons, and then the commercials would come on for toys. And they would take He-Man and G.I. Joes, and, and they, would, they would put them on little zip lines, and they would, like, zip line down and, like, run into a bunch of wood, and the wood would, like, just fall down in the rocks, and then they would say, I'm here to save the day. And I remember thinking, oh, i got to have that. There's something about seeing that toy and thinking of all the possibilities and then you watch the, the cartoon, and as you watch the cartoon, you think, oh, man, i got to have that. And then you get the toys, and they don't quite do the same things that happen on the commercial. And you don't have little fake buildings and little fake pieces of wood that just crumble. And when you set up a zip line, the thing don't want to go down the zip line. And, but you see it, and, and you begin to look at it, and you begin to meditate and use your imagination, all the things that you can do with it. How many of you men here have, have been to Harbor Freight? Recently, all the men, be honest, don't lie, all the men in this room, all right? I went there a, a couple of weeks ago, and, um, and I got really uncomfortable because I walked in, and it was really packed, which is okay as long as I can get what I needed to get, right? But the thing that made me uncomfortable was, was men, men were in there actually shopping, and I'm not used to that because normally when a man wants to buy something, he just goes in and buys it and leaves, right? But men were walking around with shopping carts. It was weird. And they had little coupons, and they were, like, looking up numbers. And men don't normally do that. I'm not lying. I just left. I couldn't handle it. I felt weird. I was for real. I'm walking to, to get something, and there's men standing in my way reading coupons. You know, and, and I'm not going to say, oh, excuse me, sir. A part of me. I'm, man, get out of my way, man. I, I really felt uncomfortable. I had to leave. You know, a, a man goes in, gets what he wants, and he leaves. But, you know, every, every man, inside every man is, there, is a little boy. And one thing I remember about being a little boy or, or when you're around children is, is they can look at something. And I remember going to the store and my parents buy me a toy or something. I would go stare at the toys for, for hey, you guys go shopping. I'm just going to go stare at the toys. And you just imagine those toys and what you could do with them and what they can do. And then if your parent says you can get one, you would grab it and you would walk around and you'd just stare at the toy while you walked around, right? Mom, look, it lights up over here. Oh, and what about over here? It has, man, this is an action figure. This thing is, man, we can, I could put, use it in the water. And all of a sudden, by the time you leave that store, you have just bought the greatest toy that has ever been created. Because what you stare at, what you begin to look at, what you, you begin to, to, to see and begin to imagine, it will determine what you're hungry for. How many of you have ever watched those commercials on TV where they're selling uh, uh, the latest frying pan? 
and it's the greatest, latest, better than, than before. You ever, you ever um, and I'll, I'll admit it, you ever caught yourself late at night watching those commercials for that turkey cooker or whatever? And it's like an hour past, and you're like, why am I still watching this? You're just amazed. When the more, majority of people that buy that, it just sits in the closet to the next year, and then they sell it in the yard sale, right? You watch those commercials, and it's like, oh, that's so amazing. And then you actually buy it and realize how cheap it is, and it doesn't quite work that good. Or they've already made something that's, that, that works better than that, right? So I want to talk about developing hunger. We develop hunger by what we look at, by what we're concentrating, by what we're focusing, by what we, what we look at it becomes what we desire. So I want you to take a, a quick second, and I want to ask you, what are you desiring? What do you want? I just want to get up out of here and get something to eat. I just want to take a nap. What are you desiring? Even right now, what do you desire? I want to get up out of these clothes. Right? What you meditate on, what you look at is what you begin to hunger for. You'll begin to desire that and, and you'll begin to crave it. Man, I have, I have seen commercials. Here we go on commercials. But I've seen commercials of certain food, and my body starts craving what's on the TV, and I don't even know if it's good. I hadn't even tasted it yet. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm twitching. I, I, I'm fiending. I need to have some of that. I love, does anybody love pizza? Man, I love pizza. I love pizza. Well, I have studied. I'm not lying. I have literally studied the different kinds of pizza that come from different places in the United States. I've studied Chicago, New York, California. I studied all over. I've watched all this, the, the food shows. I've watched it all to the point I'd make myself sick wanting to go to those places just to eat pizza. Well, I finally got the chance to go to Chicago, and I had my places already marked out. And I ate. I think, I think we went to Geno's East, and it was good, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And it's because I had looked at, I'm, I'm talking about years, I've been looking at it and marking it down and knowing where I was going to go. But I would looked at it for so long that, that I had put it way high in my mind that it was going to be like this. And then when I, I was hungry for it, but when I ate it, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't what I thought it was. So I want to ask you right now, what are you hungry for? What kind of hunger is being developed inside you? What kind of hunger is being developed on the inside of you? Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to give you scripture. I just want you to write these down. But I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law. Now this says where, where we know the scripture. Where there's a... a when it says vision, it's not just talking about natural vision. It's talking about your spirit. It's talking about uh, God revelation. Where there is not God revelation, you will perish. What happens if you refuse to eat food? What will happen? Let me hear you. What will happen if you don't eat? You'll die. What this says is that you'll begin to die, not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally. If you're not eating of God and the things of God, you'll begin to die. We don't, need, we don't need other church services, a better worship album, 
greater choirs, better messages in America for revival. We just need to get hungry. We need to get hungry. And my prayer is that you begin to get so hungry. Remember the cartoon where, where the, the, the dog would look at the, the cat, and all of a sudden the cat would turn into a big juicy steak, and he start licking its chops? I just pray that this morning that you come in here and that you begin to hear the word of God, and all of a sudden a hunger begins to rise up on the inside of you. It's developed that you just begin to get so desperate for God that you forget about who's sitting around you. You forget about what's got to happen in the next hour or so or what you got to do when you get home or how you got to wash clothes before you go back to work tomorrow. Oh, I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. Can we just have a minute and just say, God, whatever you want? Can we just begin to say, God, we just give you the next 30 minutes? Well, it, it's, my, my desire this morning is that I just leave it all on the line. Physically, I'm not feeling well. My, fi my finger, not flipping you off, but my finger met a table saw a couple weeks ago. I'm not feeling too good, but I'm desperate. And it's more than a feeling. Hunger's more than a feeling. Hunger's more than a feeling. Do you know that, that when people begin to, they don't eat and they begin to starve, that they will lose the ability, the sensation of hunger? Do you know that? Maybe you're in here and you're not hungry or you don't sense that sensation because it's been so long since you ate. Gone are the days where we come on Sunday. Sunday is not enough food for you to eat. Your, your Christianity cannot survive. Your relationship with Jesus can't survive on Sunday alone. It's not enough. We're just crumbs. Matter of fact, it's just regurgitated from whoever's speaking. You're just getting the crumbs of what they've already eaten. And my prayer is that you, you're not satisfied with that. You're not okay just coming and hearing a message or a worship song. Listen, this morning I didn't know what to do in worship. I ran out of ideas. I just felt stuck because I can't dance enough. It's not enough. I can't shout enough. I can't sing enough. He's just, he's, he's so amazing. Guess what I'm trying to tell you is I can't even put into words how awesome he is. Developing hunger. We will perish. We will die. And I believe that, that there are some in this room, you have lost the sensation of hunger. It's more than just, just feeling good. You know, sometimes we come to church and we have church and we feel good. And then we go home and it only lasts about an hour and then we feel empty again. And the reason is, is because it's, it's not meant to satisfy us. If anything, we should leave this place even more hungry than we came. Now I want to talk about perspective and I just want to share some just real life stories um, and just want to communicate with you some things that, that Julie and I have been walking through. But before I do that, I just want to talk to you about one thing uh, that, that is an enemy to hunger. And that's in, and I'm not going to read the, the passage, but it's in Luke chapter 2. The Bible says that, that Jesus, he was a child and he was taken with his parents. They went to the feast to celebrate. And then his parents left. And we know the story that Jesus stayed behind, right? And it said after they walked a few days, it, they looked and he wasn't there because they supposed, they, they thought he was there with them. 
what happened was is they, they were so comfortable with who Jesus was that they didn't even realize he wasn't there. They lost Jesus at church. Have you ever lost Jesus at church? Have we ever lost Jesus at church? So they, they, they loot, they, they, they loot. well, he was God. He was in the temple doing, and he said, don't you know I got to do what my father says? Don't you know who I am? I'm God, I've got to do it. What I... The enemy to true hunger is complacency. Presumption. Prejudice. To predetermine, to prejudge. To assume that it will be because... It always is. To come this morning and assume that God will move because we come together in church is not a correct assumption. Just because they sing a special song doesn't mean the anointing is going to come. Matter of fact, when it doesn't, is, is I believe sometimes God because he's just seeing where we're at. Just God loves to play hide and seek. Just when you think you got him figured out, when you go right there and you open up the cupboard and you know he's right there, all of a sudden he's not there. And God does it on purpose because he loves playing games. But he also loves to be found. Why, why do we come late on Sundays sometimes? Because we get comfortable. It's going to be there. Why do we come and go through the motions? Because we get comfortable at times. We, we all do it. I do it. Especially if you're a man. I'm a man. When I come home, I expect my cup to be where I put my cup. I'm a man. My drink is going to be where my drink is. And when I go to sit down, nobody will be sitting in that chair because that's the man's chair. The remote ought to be where, Julie, where's the remote? Right, yeah, I'm preaching now. She's got to take care of like all, she's taking care of all these little girls and, and she's supposed to know magically where this remote is, right? Why isn't the channel, why isn't it on the right channel, Julie? Where's my flippers I haven't worn in five years? She probably threw them away. She'll keep something for that long and five years after I finally say, hey, where's that? She, she just threw it away like two days ago. That also happens. But if you're a man, too, it's right in front of your face normally. Looking in the fridge. Where, where's the milk? It's like right here. <laughs> where's it at? It's nowhere in here. And it needs to be where I thought it would be. You know, we do that with Jesus. Well, I, I woke up this morning, and I woke up at 6, and I got in my prayer time, and I even put on that anointed worship song, but he wasn't there. What do you do when he's not there? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with, with man, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not. I, 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 back in the day, we used to talk about holding on to the, the, the horns of the altar and holding on and not letting go. How, when's the last time you grabbed on to Jesus and refused to let go? When's the last time you just reached out and you didn't even know if you could quite grab hold, but you were going to try anyway? And you were going to grab on it went in such a way that even if he had to drag you, you were, you were not letting go. Talking about hunger. 
complacency. When, when, when we become complacent, we lose the ability to hunger for the things of God. We get it figured out and we know, we get familiar with things. And that familiarity will, will, will ruin and destroy the hunger that God wants to put on the inside of us. So how many of you want to grow in hunger? Listen, and it's okay if you're here and you say, I don't want to grow in hunger. I don't have the desire. Sometimes you got to pray, God, just help me be hungry to be hungry. I'm real. I don't, I'm, I'll have those kind of conversations with Jesus like that. God, I don't want to be here this morning. I don't feel like being here. I'm tired. I want to sit in my chair with my remote and flip through Netflix for an hour. Until I got to go and end up not watching nothing. Sometimes we just need to say, God, help me to be hungry. I don't even have, I'm not even hungry to pray to be hungry, God. Help me with that. See, today you could leave different if right where you're sitting you just say, God, I want to be hungry. God, develop it in me. You begin to look at him. In Proverbs, or actually Psalms, Psalms 34, verse 1, says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. And the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Somebody say magnify. Come on, somebody say magnify. What does it mean to magnify something? To enlarge it, to take a closer look, to, to, to get a little closer, no matter what it costs, get a little bit closer and look. You ever been at a, at a football game and sitting way up in the nosebleed? It's kind of hard to see what's going on. So you try to walk down and take a, a closer look so that you can see a little bit easier. What happens when you get closer to a, to a thing? You, you see more of it. The scripture says magnify. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to magnify him. I want us to look at him a little bit closer. I want you to look at him. Who, who is he? Who is this Jesus? I want us to magnify him. I want us to look at him a little bit closer. And all of a sudden you'll begin to see things you didn't realize were there. You'll begin to see how amazing he is. You, you've heard me talk about it, but I believe the angels, they've been crying holy. Some of them are crying holy, 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 holy since the beginning, before the beginning, and will to the end and beyond the end of time. Why do they keep crying holy? Because every time they cry holy, I believe they realize, they magnify him, and they see another aspect that they didn't realize was there, and they're forced to say holy again. And guess what happens when they're done saying Holy. He's magnified a little bit more, and they can't say anything else but holy. And they've been doing it for thousands upon thousands upon eons upon forever. Because that's how big God is. That's why I can stand here this morning and I run out of a vocabulary to communicate about how good God is. My, my mind is blown, and that's, that's not a hard thing, but it's easily blown just because he's so awesome. I don't know what to do. You ever felt that way? I don't know what to do. Do I dance? Do I jump? Do I shout? He's, I just don't know. He's just so good. He's just so amazing. He's just so incredible. 
And if you're in here, you say, well, I don't, I don't really know God is incredible. Just take a, a closer look. He's the same God. Yesterday, today, forever. He, he's not just that for me, but he's that for you. Well, why doesn't God answer this prayer? And why isn't he doing this? Maybe you just need to look a little closer. Amen? He wants us to look a little bit closer. How do we develop hunger? By looking at him. What does he look like? Have you ever looked into the eyes of Jesus? Have you ever looked into his eyes? Have you ever felt his arms around you to the point where you just couldn't move? There's a book called the Arco Volume, and this book is, um, was taken out of the Vatican. It, was, it, it is records, records that the Pharisees took. They, went, they took really good records. They would go and, um, and they would interview people, and they kept all these, these interviews. And this man went and he took some of these, um, these interviews and he put, it, put them in a book. Now, it's not something, uh, it's not the Bible, it's not thus saith the Lord. All I know is that when I read this book, it made me want Jesus more than I did before I started reading it. And they interviewed people that were around Jesus. And they asked him what he was like. They asked one of the rabbis that Jesus would sit with as a kid. They said, what is he like? And the rabbi says, man, he's the most amazing person I've ever met. He, his answers are just are beyond what, what they should be for his age. His answers are better than what I could give. He says even the animals, when they come up to him and he pets them, they, when he shoes them away, they're sad. You say, well, is that real? I don't know, but I, I can believe that because I know how awesome Jesus is. One of, one of my favorite um, movies, uh, The Passion of the Christ, where Jesus is running around with Mary. I love that because it made Jesus human. Now, the religious people don't like that. Jesus shouldn't be running around chasing his mom. No, he's real. He's playful. He laughs. When's the last time you heard him laugh? When's the last time? I promise you, if you hear God laugh, you won't be able to stop laughing yourself. It is awesome. I remember when uh, Bella was, was in the crib. She's only a few months old, and there was these little bees that, or little animals that went around her crib. And I remember one morning, she was in our, our, her crib was in our bedroom, and I remember being in there, and all of a sudden, we heard her talking, and she just started giggling. She was like two months old or not even. I hear she's just in there giggling. It was the most, me and Julie were like, and we didn't want to be too loud because we didn't want her to stop. Man, God's joy and his laughter is so contagious. When's the last time you heard it? There's a reason he says that, that for you that don't have eyes, he say you need to see and ears to hear. He's not just talking about in the natural. He's talking about the spiritual. I want to ask you, what are you looking at right now? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? There was a time of, of, um, in my life, I was in ministry school, and I began to ask Jesus if I could see him. I began to ask him. God, I said, I want to see you. I want to see you with, with my eyes. I want to see you. And I began to, to have a season of, of these encounters, these awesome encounters with God. And, um, and I remember um, I was praying, and, and I don't know if, I was in, if I, it was a vision or a trance or whatever, but all I know is I went from praying to, to being on my face at an altar. And I was just, I remember there was fear 
and there was such awe from the presence of God. And I knew that Jesus was in the back of the room. And in my heart, I said, Jesus, can I, can I see you? Because that had been my prayer. I, I wanted to see him. I said, can I, can I look? Because, man, I'm telling you, there's such a fear and an awe. Man, you don't just haphazardly, comfortably come into the presence of a king, right? You don't just walk up into the presence. Of, I mean, they might, if they don't receive you, you're dead on the spot. And he's the king of kings, right? So I remember saying, God, can I look? Can I pick my head up? And he said, yeah, but I still took my time picking my head up. And I remember picking my head up, and I looked, down, I looked at him. And I remember several things. One thing is, is his eyes were like glass, but they were fiery, but they were bright. And I remember they were so piercing. And I also remember, this is going to sound weird, and I'm not, this is just my testimony. But I remember thinking, man, his nose is kind of big. And that's significant, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But I remember saying, man, he's, he's got a, 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 I didn't expect his nose to be, it wasn't like gigantic, but I remember that thinking out inside me. Then the next thing I know, the presence of God overwhelmed me so strong that um, I fell, but I felt like I was floating and time stopped. I don't know how to explain it. Next thing you know, I, I opened my eyes, and I was on the floor um, from where I had started praying. I was on the floor, and I couldn't move for about 45 minutes. It was like God overwhelmed me so much that I, I couldn't move. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was this cool, refreshing feeling. And um, the reason that's significant is because a couple of days later, we were riding to, um, to visit some people and pray for them as pastors on staff. And we were in the car, and one of the pastors began to tell the story of how his daughter was, was healed. She was uh, four or five years old, and she was really, really sick to the point where it, was, it could cost her her life. And um, one morning, she, she woke up, and she said, Dad, I'm healed. Jesus touched me. And what happened was is Jesus came into her room at, to this child and touched her and instantly healed her. And he began to tell the story, and, she, and he said, and, and when she was five, she said, and Dad, he has a big nose. And that happened like three days after that, I had that experience. And that was God's way of just saying, it was me. Do you know that God wants to encounter you and he wants you to encounter him? He's okay with us being uncomfortable if it develops hunger. Tension is okay. You, the, the, the sand in the oyster produces a pearl. You can't have that pearl if there isn't tension abrasive uncomfortableness have we gone so comfortable grown so comfortable in the american church that we're afraid of tension and we're afraid to be uncomfortable when's the last time we locked ourselves in a prayer meeting and just said we're going to stay until god's done because five minutes in we're looking for our phone to read the messages come on somebody When's the last time you got in a worship service and all of a sudden after a couple songs you're ready to sit down and, and you just said, you know what, I don't care, I don't want to sit down, I just want you, God. When's the last time the, the, the sermon ended and you said, I don't want to leave, I'm just going to stay behind. When's the last time that happened? When's the last time you were so hungry and so desperate, nothing else mattered? It didn't matter if you, if you just sold everything and picked up from Colorado Springs and moved.
talking about desperation, being desperate. Magnify. Somebody say magnify. Maybe we're not hungry or as hungry as we could be because maybe we just haven't been magnifying him. Maybe we haven't been looking closer. God will use every situation that you walk in and walk through to help you with your perspective. So about a year ago, uh, Julie and I resigned here at Daystar. God asked us to resign. It wasn't something I was expecting or I was looking on staff. He, he asked us to resign. And I just want to, hey, would you just come play? I feel like these are one of those moments we just need to develop hunger. I just need you to, to, to play prophetically. Just create some hunger. Matt, if you feel like playing too, you can. So about a year ago, we, we resigned. God asked us to resign. It was, it was one of those things where we woke up one morning not knowing what was going to happen that day. And by the end of the day, we were no longer on staff. And, and I just want to be open and candid about it. We, it's an honor to serve this body. I, this has been, to work on staff was the greatest job I've ever had to this point. I mean, it's just amazing to work with the staff that we worked with, and I loved it. I loved it so much that, that our, my loyalty was hurting me. I was, I, was, I was giving more than I had to give, and it was starting to cost me. See, because when you're in ministry, everybody sees what you do but when you're around, but they don't know what you do when you're not around. You know, you see me when I'm up here preaching or worshiping or running through the foyer, but you didn't see me last night talking to someone who wanted to commit suicide. Or you didn't see me crying because so-and-so accused me of this, and I know that they, and, and they don't really know me, and that wasn't even true. And having to deal with that, and especially being in the position that I was, I, I was a higher target. I, I, took, I took greater shots. Well, Pastor Ben, you weren't here doing this. You know, why, why weren't you here serving in this capacity? Because I was, I was up night and day trying to fix the lights so that Pastor had lights when he preached. Or I was running and picking up so-and-so. Pastor Charles knows. If anyone could have this conversation better than me, it would be Pastor Charles. The things he does that nobody knows. But yet I'm judged on this little thing snippet of what was seen so we worked at the church I just want to say this not only was it a joy and an honor and the greatest privilege to serve you but we were blessed financially Daystar the elders and this church took really good care of Julie and I is it okay if I'm that honest I mean, let's just be honest we were blessed blessed more than I could ever have done for myself not having a college education in, in the natural the jobs that I had I would have to have four or five of them to be where where I was financially and how about waking up one day going from I've, I've worked for the greatest people I serve some of the greatest staff members I, I've, I'm blessed financially I'm able to, to live in a nice house I'm able to provide for my my four girls girls are expensive amen to go from that to, Jesus, what am I going to do? God asked that of me. 
There was no choice. I didn't have a choice in the matter. I was, I'll be honest, I was freaked out. To go from having a salary to being blessed the way we were to having nothing? Come on, as a man, how do I provide for my family? Not only that, but Julie also resigned her position at the church. So any income that we had is gone. And we went from that to nothing. And I have learned a lot over the last year. Has it been perfect? No, it's been messy. There are times that I don't know how, how, how we're going we're gonna to buy groceries. Can I be honest? There are times I don't know how we're going to pay a house payment. But all I know is that he's been enough. And there are times where it's been, we've cut really close. There have been times where the girls have said, why isn't the internet working? And I just said, it'll be okay. Or they say, how come we don't, how come we haven't got groceries in a while? Now, I'm not telling you this. We're, we're fine, okay? I don't want, you better not, it's not about feeling sorry. That's, that's gross, okay? Because we are really blessed. Julie and I are really, really blessed. God has provided. He is magnificent. He is so incredible. But I remember holding my, my she wasn't one yet. She was, she was about six months, and I remember holding her. And I was just walking in prayer because when, when things like that happen, when you, you have and then all of a sudden you don't, it just kind of brings this reality where everything else b- begins to get into perspective. And that's what I'm talking about, hunger, and right perspective. And I went from, I don't even want to turn the TV on because I'm desperate right now. Not because I'm so holy I don't watch that garbage. No, I'm desperate. If God doesn't come right now, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have time to waste on the TV. Matter of fact, I was in such a great place of despair that I couldn't even pray. I'd go to open my mouth and all that would come out is, oh, God. Now, it would be one thing if, if I was leading our family or God was leading our family into this place and I was by myself. Man, I, can, I, I could survive. But to have such a beautiful wife who deserves the best but yet doesn't ask for anything but gives, to take care of those little princesses, and I'm holding my six-month-old baby and I'm holding her in my arms and I'm, I'm weeping. And it's not one of those weep like, oh, I just love you, Jesus. It's one of those like, I'm scared. What do I do? What do I do, God? I, what, what's going to happen? I don't know if you've been there. Just having nothing. We just moved into a new house. What am I going to do? It was funny because I would tell people, yeah, we, we resigned. They'd be like, oh, man, bless God. And I'd say, yeah, <laughs> bless him. Bless God. And I would say, you don't know. You have no idea. Oh, that's great, Pastor Ben. That's, that's, man, we're so happy for you. How can you be happy for me? How am I going to live? Am I going to have to sell everything? That's fine. I can't live in one of them tiny homes with four girls. They want to live in my, my bedroom as it is. Get out of my room. But I remember holding her, and I'm crying, and I'm afraid. Beyond fear, I can't even sleep. 
and I'm holding that baby, and God says, she's just asleep in my arms while I'm walking. There's worship music on her. And I'm holding that baby, and he says, he says, is she worried? And I was like, no. And then he began to question me. He says, will she ever have to wonder if you're going to take care of her or not? And, that, man, I just, that dad, no, she won't. No, God. He says, how do you feel about her? God, I'd give her, I'd give her my finger. <laughs> I'd give her anything. I'd give my life. That's not even a second thought. And you know what he, he said to me? He says, I feel the same way about you. I feel the same way about you. Talking about hunger and perspective. Man, you start thinking about God, that he feels that way about us, that he is kind. He is such a kind God. He is such a kind God. When I deserve to be hit over the head, he shows up and just pats me on the head and says, man, I love you. And I say, but God, I don't deserve it. And he says, it's okay, just be quiet. Shh. I love you. He's kind. When I've met, when I made a mess of things, I haven't been praying, I haven't been fasting, I haven't been seeking God, and I've been cussing people out in my head. Come on, don't act like you, you, I'm the only one. Cussing folks out, getting mad at people in my head, bitter. Well, why, how could they do this to me? Come on, let's, let's get real for a minute. Talking about pastors. How could pastors say that? How could he do that? Don't they know? They promised this. Five years ago. So I was holding her again a little later. And there's just something about a, a little baby that just melts in your arms, right? It's like when they fall asleep, they just get numb, like they get gooey and rubbery. And I like to just play with their little fingers, little, little chubby fingers. And I'm holding her, and she's just asleep in my arms. And I don't want to put her down. I just want to cherish that moment. And God said, when's your favorite time to hold her? And I said, when she's asleep. And he said, why is that? I said, because she don't fight me. She just lets me hold her and I can play with her fingers. Because when I'm trying to put her to sleep and she's still awake, she starts kicking and fidgety and moving. And all of a sudden she'll start talking. Ah, blah, blah. Like it's, she's halfway asleep and all of a sudden she just starts blabbering. Blah, blah. And listen, she's really smart because she'll, when I, when I do that, sometimes she'll just go like this. She does. She'll get spiritual on me. And all of a sudden I'll be like, yeah, let's pray. Like, no, I'm putting you to sleep. We're going, it's nighttime. She does that, I promise you. She'll be like, she does? She just throws her hand up. Man, she's like my, my little Jesus alarm clock. She'll just walk to the house and randomly just start saying, Jesus? And then you better just respond with her, right? Next thing you know, you're, next thing I find myself in prayer, I was watching the football game, and now I'm walking around praying with her. But he said, when do you like holding her? And I said, when she just, she just rests. I'm going to give you a secret to hunger. And it's going to be hard for you to comprehend it, but it's called rest. It's called rest. Do you know how you get hungry for God? You rest in him. See, as a, as a pastor, I, I didn't know how to rest anymore. You don't rest. You, everything's reactionary. You got to do. You got to work. You got to. 
As soon as is this situation, there's always problems to, that need to be solved, right? And so for the last year, it's been so uncomfortable and so miserable because I don't, I don't know financially what's coming from week to week. One week I might be cleaning toilets, and the next week I might be asking God to give me an opportunity to clean more toilets. But I've learned to rest in the middle of that chaos. See, when Jesus was in the boat and he was asleep and the, the waves were tossing and the wind was blowing and he's down sleeping and the, the, the disciples are freaking out because that's what we do. And then they, they wake Jesus up and he's like, what's wrong with you? And they were like, Jesus, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with you? How could you sleep? Don't you realize I got to pay the bills? But if Jesus responds the way disciples are, then that means he had to bow to fear and worship fear. But Jesus knew that the secret was in rest. And I'm going to tell you, your secret to developing hunger and right perception and being able to magnify God is just resting in who he is. Talking about perception, let me just, let me give you a little bit of perception. And listen, the presence of God is brewing and stirring right now. There's a stirring right now. I want you for the next few minutes to just give God the next few minutes, okay? What's going to happen? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that he's here right now. And the waters are stirring. Just like in the, in, in the Bible, it talks about they would wait for the angels to stir the waters. And when the waters would stir, they would jump in and they would instantly be healed. And they're all fighting to get in the waters. Well, the awesome thing is, is Jesus is here and he's greater than those waters. And when he stirs it, everybody can get in. And if everybody gets in, you'll be healed. Talking about magnifying. I want to give you one more thought. When we think about Jesus on the cross, a lot of times we think of the fact that Jesus died for us, right? But when someone dies for us or does something for us, a lot of times in our America mindset, we think that we've got to do something back because they did something for us. And so we look at Jesus like, okay, he died for us, so I need to give him my life. But God doesn't think that way. That's not why he died. He didn't die so that we owed him. That's how we think in America, though. If I do this for them, you, what, what's your angle? You owe me now. What, what I, got? I don't want you to do nothing for me because then I got to do something back, right? That's how we think. But I want you to think about it in this perspective. Jesus didn't die for you. He did, but not just for you, but Jesus died as you. Let that sink in your spirit. He didn't just die for you. He died as you, meaning he took our place. He stood in the very place on the cross that we should have been. We deserve that. We deserve more than that. And he took our place. He died as us. He took our place. Why? So that we could have him. So that we can know the love of the Father. He was so determined that we would know this love and this kindness. You can't look at Jesus in that light and not get hungry. You can't look at Jesus in that, and, and look at his, would you look at his kindness for just a second? He's so kind. He's so kind. Man, there have been times this year I didn't come to church, and the reason I didn't come is because my attitude was really bad, and I didn't want to rub off on people. And I was like, I was like a, a wounded animal. You can't, they don't let you touch them. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to start barking or bite somebody. 
Am I, is it okay if I'm that honest? And there's these, these touchy places that if you touch me, I might bite. Might Even this morning, I had to repent in my mind of some, some thoughts I was having about something. I got aggravated. But even in my mess, because he died in my place, man, there's this access to this kindness. And he's so kind. And sometimes I come in and I just complain and I just want to say, God, I just, and all of a sudden he just says, man, I like you. Wait a minute, God, but yeah, but, but I just want to be with you today. He just ignores completely what I'm, I'm trying to have a fit here, God. Because he's so kind and he's so loving. Jesus, just begin to play something, just to do whatever, passion and just can we just take a second to rest if you want to close your eyes that's fine if you just want to take a, a deep breath and just I think we're so performance driven at church and I'll say it even at day start times we're performance driven we start singing a song, and when they get to the part we like, we start yelling, Oh, yeah, Jesus! And then everyone else starts yelling, right? Man, God is wanting to move us past the performance. Past our comfort zone. It's comfortable to perform. Come on, it's comfortable to do what we've always done. Maybe God's really breathing revival and bringing us to a place of revival. And in order to walk in revival, we just got to rest in Him. It's this daily relationship thing that just with Him we walk daily. That when we come into church, we're not waiting for a word, but we're waiting to give words. We're not ready to, to hear worship. We're ready to give worship to the point where the worship team can't even do the set that they plan to do because you won't stop singing a song that, that they're not even singing because you're desperate. Bishop used to tell me it's only for the hungry. In other words, if you're desperate enough, if you're hungry enough, oh, you're going to eat. And I want to ask you, are you desperate enough this morning? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry this morning? Are you okay leaving right now? Are you desperate enough to say, God, I just, I just need one more minute. I just need one more breath with you. I just need one more second. As they begin to worship, I want you just to begin to posture yourself. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's speaking.